All right, we are live. Hello, Ralph. How you doing? What's happening, my brother? Yeah, good to, good to have you. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I always like these ones. I love when I get to talk to my to my wrestling friends because <clears throat> we get to just talk about, especially now it's WrestleMania season, right? WrestleMania's mm-hmm. coming up this weekend, and uh, everybody's excited about it. So, um, so yeah, this is a this is going to be a fun one, uh, and especially after like I did the one the last one with the guy who was the um, the uh, the pornography addiction expert. And when you have one that's like that, it, you just it's a different vibe than yeah something like just talking to a <clears throat> talking to a friend and just and just getting to know who they are. And so, um, so I'm get, I'm glad I I've seen you around. I I don't know if I was there for your for your first match, but. I got to tell you, it was funny. Uh, I was training over with Johnny Jeter. You may remember this. Yes, sir. I was, I was ch- training with Johnny Jeter, and he sent out a feeler to anybody who wants to come in. And you walked in, and, man, you're just, like, ripped to shreds. And I was like, oh, my gosh. He's and he gassed me out, brother. <laughs> you remember <laughs> I was in the side of the yard puking my brains out, brother. I know. I remember. I was in shape. I know. I remember. It's Dude, it's so funny because I – I went to the gym. I've been going to the gym now consistently six days a week since 2019. And I thought I was super in shape. And then the first time I did one of those, one of those drills with Johnny, you know, where you're running the ropes and then mm-hmm. doing the forward rolls, backward rolls, you know, leapfrog, drop down leapfrogs. Dude, you just can't. It's, ugh. Well, I learned it? something that day. I mean, that's the only time I went. I, I wish I could have been going more, but just schedule conflicts um, to pick up my cardio. You yeah. know, and I always, even now I tell the students that we have not to let that happen to them. You know, if we're going to be known for anything as our, our academy is, we're not gassing out. We're going to be yeah. known for being conditioned, for being in ring shape, you know, because it's, it's embarrassing, brother. <laughs> it's, yeah. It is, you know? So, well, let me ask you, did you, did you start training? I mean, your whole training at Next Level Pro? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was a yarder just like you. I heard you talking to Flacco and your podcast when you yeah. had an interview. I heard the whole thing. That's my time. Just, I was there at those shows with you guys. I just didn't oh, know yeah. you guys. I don't even remember Lizard. He came yeah. in that backyard movie. I was yeah. in that movie with them yeah. when it was filming. I was one of one of those kids from Modesto. Oh, okay. So, so, so I got to tell you, this is my claim to fame. So, because <laughs> I know that movie, the backyard movie you're talking about, where where the flying lizard or whatever. He yeah. he worked he worked in my backyard. He came and worked. He worked. Uh, who's the guy? Oh, he doesn't work anymore. Scar or uh no no he was the guy who uh he he was working at a gas station not too long ago he was he was with TWF for a long time um I can't remember no not Lockjaw it'll come to me I'm sure but they worked each other at my show um and yeah man that lizard guy was kind of weird but but yeah he he, um so (laughs) but he's he's my friend he's been my friend for twenty something years now oh yeah you oh you still friends oh we still in contact yeah yeah. Oh man, how's he yeah. doing? He works in Reno doing at the casinos doing security. Nice. He's out there, yeah. Did he ever finish he's, training? He's not doing too much wrestling anymore. Was that? Did he ever finish training? Well, according to him, he was he was um he, he wrestled for a few places. I don't know if he completed his formal training. That I don't know. Yeah. Every time I've hung out with him, it's it's just uh we're just chalking it up, catching up, but nothing really with wrestling. It's just, you know, life and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, he um, yeah, he was interesting. But uh, my my claim to fame is uh, I was 
do the, do the wrestling stuff uh, when I was doing the backyard stuff I got a call from this guy named Bob Boris and he's like I have this dream for this movie it's called Backyard Dogs and I'm like what and he's like yeah it's gonna have the um, I can't remember his name he was the Black Power Ranger and he was like <laughs> yeah we got him set up it's gonna be this big movie and and he's like and we I sold him footage from from my backyard uh-huh. uh and so yeah I that was right before I went on my mission so I was gone for two years and I came back and all of a sudden my dad came from Blockbuster with a copy of Backyard Dogs and we're the whole I'm I'm like the whole <laughs> beginning of that movie and I was like I'm a movie star <laughs> yeah yeah well, yeah so, I have parents in that movie I'm in it, the credits as one of those you know I was there in, in Backyard Dogs no the backyard which was a documentary that's what it's called the backyard the one lizard was in yeah 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 that, they so, did a whole thing on him right he wanted to be like jeff hardy yeah it was he was one of the main characters he's probably he's probably the main guy in it but they had uh promotions from uh england and other places of the country and mm -hmm. this guy went to different cities and shot yeah. footage in different towns but lizard was his main guy main character about yeah i was in there and then he went to jimmy kimmel live and did a little gimmick there with the going off a ladder onto a table through a table and that was his 15 minutes man fame, you crazy know? <laughs> he's, he's he's still it, a lizard man he's still, that, still his right now <laughs> that's such a fun that is such a fun uh that was time. back in 2000, 2001 around there right yeah it was yeah so i i left in 2000 uh -huh. um and so <clears throat> i left in 2000 and that was that was the time where backyard wrestling was really big and it was yeah big there was a big fight because I ended up transitioning and actually working pro for SPW for three or four shows. And, um, and I got little bookings, but it's because I'm six foot seven and I didn't have to do much. Right. I mean, yeah. I wasn't form formally trained, but I could draw. And uh -huh. so, um, but there was always this, this kind of uh, push pull between the vets and the backyarders. And, that's what's so cool about TWF because TWF for a long time, those guys were always, even when they were backyarders, they were always entertaining. Like Jake doing that stuff. He was so funny and like, yeah. he was just so good at what he was doing. Well, we're from the same town. So I remember when he came out on, on the uh, public access, I'm from Tracy. That's where he's yeah, from. Right. And it used to be called Tracy wrestling federation there. And they were on the wrestling on the park. And I don't know what, all these random places. Yeah. Oh you man. Know? I, I got to tell you, this is a this is a hilarious story. I'm going to butcher it. I got to have Oliver John come on. You know, have you ever met Oliver? Oliver yeah, 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 I did. I went through uh, Ugly and I, uh, I did one of his seminars. Yeah. Oh, Ollie. Ollie was my original trainer. I trained mm -hmm. at Pro Am right down the street from Next Next Level Pro, where Justin oh, trained. Okay. Yeah, and so, um, in fact, Justin and I we started there right around the same time. He was he's always been cool to me. I really loved him, but. Um, uh, but Ollie, he would told this story. He was like a huge, he would watch it on public access. And he just thought it was so funny. He recorded like on a VHS tape, a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. And he was, he went down South and I think it was either an MMA thing or like a big indie show. And all the workers were in the back and they're like, we want to watch something. They had a TV and he put on TWF and there was some scene in that park where they like, they, they just build, uh, like a, seven-year-old kid like off of some structure and he just seven-year-old kid like perfect bump and he said the entire locker room just popped huge and he's like and it was just so crazy that like all these pros 
were popping for this backyard fed. And that's what I'm saying. Like TWF, you know, when I did SWF, like there was a, there was a vibe for that. And, uh, mm-hmm. and all the pros just, they, they just wouldn't, they wouldn't have anything to do with it. So it's cool now to see like TWF has actually become what we all envisioned our backyard feds becoming. They're yeah. legit. They're legit pro wrestling yeah. promotion now. Yeah. And it's just so cool to see them over the course of 20 years do that. Yeah. And Jake's so hands on. I mean, like Flacco gave him props. I mean, that guy's a one man show and, and uh, he, he's a good guy, man. So he, yeah. he deserves all the success he's had because he's put the work in. You know, he's put the time in. He's been yeah. consistent. You know, I, I love working for him. You know, it's, it's always a good time at his shows. And he's the one taking this. You know all the different towns and local towns. He's in Manteca one day, but that's still. He's here in Sac. You know he's the one that packs the Colonial now. Yeah. Um, TWS. Yeah. yeah, it's come a long ways. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. And next level pro man. I I remember walking in uh, and watching one of the first shows that they did, and <clears throat> it's been cool to see that venue kind of become what it's become. It's just really cool. You you guys are on. Uh, what was it? Is it CC? CSTV what, now? C- mm-hmm. CSTV on, uh, and your Roku doing, and yeah, on Roku. Doing, yeah, you guys are doing a, a, a weekly show and, uh, you know, monthly shows out of the venue. So we're uh, in 29 countries now, and somehow, for some reason, we're huge in Chile. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You got to get a, oh, get a wow. local. Get a local promoter to bring you guys all down there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, Justin said he gets he gets uh, emails or messages from people down there that want to come work over here, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. that's a. <laughs> oh, dude, that's a that's a promoter's nightmare, though, man. I, when I was running SWF, that was I would get emails from every Tom, Dick, and Harry who claimed that, who had a pair of wrestling boots saying they wanted to come over, and I and they'd be like, "Let me send you a tape, or let me send you a YouTube," uh-huh. and, I'd, and I'd watch it, and I'd just be like. Yeah, I mean, I guess you, you look, you know, you don't look as good as the guys I have, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because um, I was always looking like, <clears throat> I always looked for guys who looked like pro wrestlers. And that's one of the things that I liked about, uh, like, you impressed me immediately was from the from the jump. <clears throat> I mean, you you looked like a pro wrestler. And I don't mean just because, you know, you're you're built you've you've uh, you're a bodybuilder and you've you know you've kept your your physical appearance like a wrestler but i mean the way you carry yourself the way you you work in the ring i you walk in and the first thing you think is you're you're a pro you know what i mean you know what you're doing um i i i i don't even know how to answer that reply to that um i've been a fan since i was a little boy yeah and that's all i ever wanted to do was be a professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. You know, I just thought my time came and went. And somehow bodybuilding opened up that door at a at 44 is when I started training. I turned pro at 45. I mean, it's it just happened, brother. I wasn't looking for it. I was just at the right place at the right time. And I just happened to be rubbing shoulder with Chris, the super beast Crody. And he's the yeah. one that talked me into meeting up with Ugly and Vinny Massaro. You know, yeah. they have a camp over in Sacramento. This is when uh, Vinny was running next uh, the Next Level Pro, uh, our academy there. And he goes, why don't you just, you know, go over there and see what they're about? And I'm like, dude, I'm 44. So I'm 40. I can't, I don't remember how, Crody, how old Crody is. He's a couple years yeah. younger than me. Yeah. I go, yeah, but you've been doing this for a long time. You know, I'm all, at yeah. my age, starting fresh as a rookie. I mean, yeah, but you looked apart. So 
just give it a shot. He planted that seed. Brother, I was just I was getting ready to go to a national bodybuilding show over in the East Coast in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay, the biggest show I've ever been a part of in my life as far as my bodybuilding career. Two weeks before the show, I show up to training camp. To, I mean, at, at the academy just to go observe, right? Five minutes into it, I get in the ring. I'm like, you know what? I'm signing up right now. I'm in, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I took my first bump. I do all that. And I gave up. After that show, I completely gave up bodybuilding to, to train. Like you commit 100. percent I I took I train I take like a like a job, you yeah. know. And I've been training consistently ever since three times a week, more if I could if, if I had more ring time. I'd be able to get more ring time. I'd be in there longer. But uh, I I went all in, man. Because time is and not then, my favorite. First of all, right, know? right. It's, well, uh, and, and let me ask you, being um, I, I just know like when I came back and I started training with Johnny, the the bumps felt different at 40 that they did when you're 18, you know, because when I trained before I was, I think I was 16 or 17 when I started training and I could go in there and I could, I mean, I could take 10 body slams and the next day is like no big deal. You know what I mean? Josh is the now, reason why I'm on my recliner talking. Yeah. To you, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> did you, do you feel like, uh, you know, it just felt I feel like every bit my age, brother. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I remember going to training, and I remember thinking, like, dude, I, I just, like, it felt like every every day I'd go home and something else ached. Yeah, well, especially in the beginning, my first three, four months, I was getting injured all the time. Not that anybody did anything to me, just my body, just, oh, what are you doing? Oh, here's a pulled hamstring. Here's a, here's a, my shoulder popped out of place. Uh, you know, it was. Uh, brusitis something you know just I, yeah. I did a leapfrog one time and i pulled a, a hammy you know <laughs> right i ducked right. a clothesline and and i don't know what happened i mean it's just yeah it's stuff i did to myself not that anybody injured me it's just being 40 plus years old you know yeah yeah it's crazy well so tell me how um how have you been received i mean as a as a 44 year old rookie um do you feel like generally you're received well in locker rooms? Is you feel like it's a different vibe uh, going up against all these younger guys? What, what, tell me what that's like. To this day, I have yet to have an issue with anybody. I've been received well by the peers my age, the younger guys. You know, um, I, I can't say I've ever had, I've, I've felt out of place anywhere. You nice. know, everybody's been respectful. You know, um, I think it helps looking the way I look. I think that, yeah, you know, makes a statement, you know, when it talks about, you know, being ready, being in shape, taking it serious. You know, I, I think I do rub that off on people. Yeah. Um, but everybody's been great. I, I have not had to yet like, knock on wood, have a bad experience in any locker room or anywhere I've worked at. Yeah. Thank so, God. so all it, I mean, you have, a, you're, you are a jack of all trades. I mean, you're a physical therapist. You're a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. um, you did bodybuilding. Now mm -hmm. you're a pro wrestler. Everything you've done is highly physical. Have you always kind of been into fitness or? Well, I, I've been an athlete my whole life. I was a basketball player from the age of eight till I was 37. Played oh, high wow. competitive leagues and all that. Breakthrough high school, breakthrough all, you know, when I was in college, after college, just, uh, you know, oh, wow. basketball is all I knew. That's what, what was my outlet as a kid to get, you know, I grew up in an abusive home with a, a dad that, you know, was alcoholic, drug addict, the worst, you know, a de complete deadbeat. 
Uh, my parents split up when I was a junior, in high, I mean, a sophomore in high school. I had to grow up fast to help my mom with my, uh, you know, I'm the oldest of, four, of six, but with my mom and dad, there's four of them. So I had to help out with that to start working early. So basketball was all I had that kept me from joining the gangs, going the other way, you know, the, the wrong route, you know. And, and so I love playing and um, to and and can be competitive and be good. I, you know, I just want to be part of a team. I actually wanted to contribute and, you know, and all that. I'm very, very competitive. Okay. If you know that about sure. me, you know, I'm very competitive. And so um, I've, I've always, I don't know life without training, without right. training for something, mm-hmm. you know, physical yeah. wise, physical wise. So let, let's back up a little bit. You mentioned, uh, you know, you had a dad who was a, uh, an alcoholic and a drug addict. I've, mm-hmm. I certainly can sympathize with that. Uh, a little bit. Talk to me about growing up. Was you, were you in Tracy when this was going? Yeah, on? I grew up in Tracy. I went graduated high school there. Uh, I only took off when I went to college. I got I got married while I was in college. My ex wife happened to she actually graduated with Jake at the other high school. They're, they're classmates. Oh yeah. You know? And um, so uh, after we were going to have our first son, we moved back home so that we can be around our families and raise our kids around our you know our parents and you know all that. Okay. So, yeah, but what was that, uh, you, your dad, um, you know, you said they, they split up when you were a sophomore in high school. Uh, tell me about that experience. What was that like for you? Well, um, I didn't really have a relationship with him, even when he was there, because it was always negative. It was, you know, my parents were constantly fighting. He was, he was a woman. I was abusive. He used to beat her, beat us. Mm-hmm. And so um, I liked it when he wasn't there. You know, so uh, I used to wrestling, okay? Mm-hmm. Wrestling is what was my, you know, the way I would uh, escape, I guess, you know, when I was a kid, mm. you know? Um, where's my wrestling Hulk Hogan buddy here? So uh, <laughs> on TV, having my toys, making up the storylines and scenarios, um, That that that's what kept me from, uh, I don't know, from losing it, I guess, brother. I, I don't know, I had, I had that and I had basketball. Um, I, like I said, I didn't have a relationship with my dad, uh, up until, uh, recently, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know what, go ahead. Give, give me a leading question here. So I can, no, no, that's good. No, I, I, it, it's interesting because this guy you, right here, there you go. Oh <laughs> man. I remember having one of those. I don't know where it went. I had one of those in the ultimate warrior, Hulk Hogan and warrior. Yeah. So no, that was a, that's a. I can sympathize. Well, I, I, we, there's a lot of similarities between us. And in, in I mean, I have a relationship with my dad now. My dad's been clean for, for 25 years, but it was mm-hmm. a rough go. You know, when we were, when we were kids, uh, it was an on again, off again relationship with mm-hmm. my dad. He, he was always, but it's different, right? Like my dad was always around. He was always there. And he was, when he was there, he was trying to engage. Uh, um, but my dad came from a, a a background where he didn't have a dad, really. He didn't, yeah, so, uh, mm-hmm. so he just didn't know what he was doing, you know. And he figured it out along the way. Church really helped him, mm-hmm. uh, you know, having having church figures there. Uh, my mom's dad certainly helped a lot. But that's a rough go. And and but it's funny because yeah, my coping my po- coping was pro wrestling, movies, and basketball. Uh, just because of my height, you know, I, I was always playing basketball. So I can, it's, it's funny how our lives are, are real similar in that way. 
you know? Yeah, that's yeah. that was my outlet, wrestling and, and basketball. I mean, I could always get on the team. I could, you know, I had and I had coaches that uh was fill in that role, you know, counselors yeah. and stuff like that. So I always had a father figure kind of, just never had my dad step up and do his job. Sure. You do know? you uh do you have any contact or relationship with him now? No, I do now, yeah. Okay. Um, not the best of friends, but I mean, it's, there's no heat between us. There's no animosity, there's no resentment. You know, I forgave him a long ago. He stopped drinking a long ago. Um, I, I, I mean, I still wish, you know, even now at, I'm about to be 46 next week that wow. he would be more active, you yeah. know, every now and then, you know, like, Hey son, how are you doing? You know, all those things going with your son. You know, I think he would do something like that. He, he still hesitates about doing stuff like that. Yeah. Even though I've given him the key here, be my dad. Go ahead. Be my dad. Yeah. Have something to say, say it to me, please. I, I you know, I'm, I, I want that. <laughs> yeah. How does that shape? I know that one of the things that we're going to definitely get into your, your, uh, your um, story with this, but how did that experience with your dad shape how you are as a dad? Well, it made me now. my dad taught me how not to be. Yeah. So when I had my kids with me full time, I mean, I changed diapers. I took turns with the ex-wife as far as, you know, when, the, when there were babies uh, um, who would take, would switch over, who take, who do the night shift. We rotate no matter who I had to go to work early or not, you yeah. know, because I wanted to be a part of that. You know, yeah. I, I spent so much time with him. I coached all their teams. I, um, you know, I would just get them, let's go in the car, you know, and let's go to the park or whatever. Just get a diaper bag and just me and them, you know, yeah. that yeah. I, to give them everything I didn't have that I wanted for my dad. Like I was trying to live through them as far as with, with that, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so I was, uh, to, you can even ask my, my son now. I mean, I was a very involved dad. I go through all their school stuff. I would make sure that I was there present, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I, I was even, I would even be asked when I'd be at a park or somewhere in public with just the kids and I, my four kids and I, and like single moms would go up to me. It happened a few times. Is this your weekend with your kids? And I'd be like, no, I have them all the time, you know, it's just, yeah. you know, and yeah. so that, that like, I'm like, wow, that's, that's sad that that's what people think when they see a dad with their kids by himself, you know? Yeah. You know, and, you know, and this is something that I, I actually, I thought a lot about. It's funny because I, you know, you, you've seen my social media and stuff. I'm all mm -hmm. about my kids. I'm taking yeah. them places, doing all that stuff all the time. And I'll, and I'll get someone every once in a while to say something. They'll be like, you know, you are a, you are a whatever, you know, you're a stellar dad or a superior dad or whatever. And it would always kind of, it always kind of bothers me. Not because I don't like, I, I do think I do a lot for my kids, but I don't, I don't feel like I'm doing anything that, that you wouldn't every, be doing anyway. Right. That anybody, yeah. Like any yeah. dad should do. Right. It's exactly. like, it's, it's bothers me that people see me doing what I think is basically the, expectation of exactly yeah, yeah you know i go to my kids i go to my kids basketball games i coach their teams i mm -hmm. i take that when i'm when you know i'm going to dinner i'm taking one out you know what i mean i yeah you know when i do those things like somehow that is that is somehow considered to be superior it really is a comment on fathers as a whole yeah it's sad man it is it is and and it really bothers me when when uh you know, then me going a little bit on a ramp, but it also bothers me a little bit when I see, uh, you know, other fathers who are like, who will do it for the posts, right? Like do it for yeah, the social yeah, media, you yeah. know, like I have a, I know of a couple that, you know, they, 
they look all smiley on on Instagram and Facebook, you know, but they're in the background right. screaming at their kids. And, you know, that's to me, that's like stolen valor. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just it bothers me. And so the it's PR. good to see. Yeah. And it's good to see that, you know, there's somebody out there who, who really cares about. I'm the same way with my stepdaughter, you know, it's, yeah. uh, I mean, I don't even call her, I'm just as a reference, but you know, she's my daughter, same way, you know, your stepdaughter, she, how, how long have you been in her life? Like what age did you come in? She was 11. She's 15 now going on 16 or actually going on 21. Right. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. She's one of the loves of my life, brother. My life was, would be boring without her here. You know? Yeah. Do yeah. you, um, do you, uh, is her father in her life? He is. Okay. He is. Okay. He so is. tell me, tell me what that's, that's like for you. Um, well, through the experience I've had with my children's mother, I've, I've learned what co-parenting is and how yeah. it should be. Right. So we, my, my wife and I respect the relationship she has with her dad, mm. you know? And mm -hmm. so, um, he has his rules over there. We have ours here and we just try to, do what's best for the child right yeah you know to make yeah. her feel like she don't have to pick sides or or you know or anything like that but when she's here with me or with us i mean even my son told me when he came to visit was that if i didn't know i say she's your daughter like mm -hmm. you know the way she is with you you know she follows me everywhere she uh you know she looks up to me she she likes hanging out with me you know yeah. and um she even trains with us at the you know, at the pro wrestling academy. So, nice. um, you know, so, uh, yeah. So we have that kind of relationship, you know, where she's really That's comfortable asking me for stuff and, and all that stuff. And I mean, like I said, you wouldn't be able to tell that she's not biologically mine. Well, that's great. And let me ask you, you know, did it, particularly your relationship with the biological father and your relationship is as a support for your now wife, Mm -hmm. uh was it always good did it did it take some time i mean how did it how did that come about for you um well without getting into too much with that situation because you know it's uh it's i don't you know my wife's very private oh sure um we we did have some conflict in the beginning you know mm -hmm. uh i think it's normal but who's this new guy you know mm -hmm. just coming in and whatever uh but he just recently got married remarried uh i believe about a year and a half ago or, or, or a year ago or something around there so his his mentality has changed because now he's a stepdad hmm. and now he's got to also co-parent and, and all that with his new wife and the new the, the co, you know the new uh blended family that he now has so, sure. uh, so things have changed a bit since then yeah. for the better nice nice yeah. well that's great you know i imagine that in that circumstance it's uh you know, it takes some time to, to get there, mm -hmm. you know? So let's, um, let's backtrack a little bit because yeah, you've, you've mentioned, <clears throat> you know, you met your wife, your, your ex-wife in college correct? and you were married for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, you got four kids mm -hmm. and, uh, for those of you who, who, who don't know, um, you know, part of, part of Raf's story is, uh, it is one of, uh, you know, how that ended. And so why don't you, you know, kind of give me a sense of, um, you know, you're, you're married, you're married 18, 19 years. And then, uh, yeah, married 20 together, 22, um, 
Well, Kyra having an affair with someone else's husband, brother. I lost my mind. Um, they both put restraining orders after me to cover up their mess. You know, that was a crazy, jealous husband that just picked on some random guy because, uh, you know, I uh, was accused of domestic violence. I was accused of abusing her, the kids, you know, and got a restraining, restraining order put on me by both of them. I broke the restraining order. I got sent to jail. Well, I broke the restraining order by picking up my two youngest kids from school to take them to go eat. I had, but when I, when that happened, it was about four weeks or so that I hadn't seen my kids when all this blew up. And I didn't know how serious restraining orders were. Mm-hmm. And I got Amber alert. I text the, the, the babysitter. I have the two little ones. I just want to take them out to eat. I'll drop them off at your house as soon as I'm done. Mm-hmm. Well, she called the ex. The ex called the cops. I got Amber alert. I'm a Carl's Jr. brother. And all these SWAT teams, just cars come at gunpoint, arrest me in front of my two little ones. I get charged with a felony, uh, child abduction, kidnapping. Mm. Wow. And um, so, well, hold, hold on. let's go back. Let's go back a little bit. And then let mm-hmm. me ask you a couple of questions before we we'll go. We'll go into the story. Okay. Um, but uh, before this happened, uh, before this part happened where you caught her, did you have any idea that there was trouble in your marriage? No, well, yeah. I, I mean, there was something. I just couldn't point my finger on it. But um, mm-hmm. like, did you, you know, bring it up? Did you bring it up beforehand? Were you ever like, hey, you know, something's up? Uh, what's going on? Uh, were, were you guys fighting? Were you talking about do, doing therapy? Anything like that beforehand? Uh, I can't say we we're talking about therapy. We were, we were both not in a good head, head, head space probably at the time too. You know, uh-huh. um, there was just so much going on uh our marriage was not the healthiest at the time you know i wouldn't i'm not going to say that i was the best husband mm-hmm. but um there you know uh i was caught up in what i was doing she was you know she was caught up in her career and what she was doing mm-hmm. and uh so we weren't really close anymore I, 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 now looking back i couldn't tell you at the time you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah you don't see it till you've been away for a while yeah you know and you have time to so I, so at the time, I, of course not. I, I couldn't. I, that was the last thing I thought she'd do. Dude, you know? and, that, and, and that's and that's the thing, right? That's a, it's it's so. The reason I ask this stuff is I'm always curious about these circumstances because the way people react are so different. In my experience, I mean, anecdotally, mm-hmm. right? When you got somebody who, you know, things have been hard for a long time. Yeah. And you guys have been struggling or whatever. And, you mm-hmm. know, they know. And then something happens like that. It's a much different um, dynamic than, you know, you think everything's fine. And, mm-hmm. you know, you think that every and then next thing you know, bam, like, you know what I mean? It's uh, you're, you're you're blindsided kind of. It was RKO out of nowhere, brother. Boom. You know? Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying is that like. Yeah. You know, it's it's one thing, and, and and when I say that, you know, when I say blindsided, sometimes I have friends when I talk about this stuff, because I have a lot of friends I talk to who had very similar circumstances uh, where, you know, with infidelity and they're getting divorced or whatever. And, and uh, you know, some people have a hard time with the, what do you mean you had no idea you were blindsided? Like, I, I would say in those circumstances, it's not that you 
It's not like you were blindsided in that you weren't having any problems, but every marriage has problems. Exactly. You mm-hmm. know, you're just having what you think is run of the mill problems. Like, yeah, I, we're busy. We got four kids. I got yeah. a job. She's got a job. I'm trying to coach these kids. She's running around doing stuff like it's it's chaos and we don't have a lot of time for each other. And then next thing you know, she's cheating on me. Yeah, you I mean, I, to be honest, looking back now, I think it's just, you know, midlife crisis kind of stuff. I don't know. I mean, looking back, you know. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I wasn't able to figure things out or until later. And then even now, now, when my, now that I'm talking to my son and and um, him coming over and, and opening up to me about things, and some more stuff made sense and, you know, connected yeah. more dots, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, so so now let's let's talk then so you're you know you're going along you're you're keeping busy with your kids and what what was it that you found that made you realize or suspect that she was cheating on you well i went through her phone mm-hmm. and i her messenger on facebook you know social media man and i saw seven eight nine months back of their sexting their news, their meetups, their, I, that's as far as the stomach before I stopped looking. And anyways, I lost it, bro. I, I saw red. I saw red. I didn't go after her. I went after him mm-hmm. uh, trying to make his life miserable. And then they put the restraint orders on me and I didn't hold me back. I was, I let my emotions take the best of me. Mm-hmm. So tell me, give me the, the cops told me, the cops told me this when the detectives, Breaking uh, affairs are not against the law. Breaking restraining orders are, is, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and they got me on technicalities, but none of my crimes were violent. It was just me breaking the restraining order for being defiant, you know? Yeah. So, so let the, the time frame. what was the time frame between you finding out and the restraining order being filed? Are we talking about days, weeks, a day? What are you, what are you talking? Um, it didn't take that long. It was pretty quick. Uh-huh. And this was because what you made you made some threats towards him or went after him a little bit. Is that well? Because she panicked, I guess. Okay. And she didn't want. Okay, so so just to fall back. So my ex-wife and I were really well known in our town. Uh-huh. She was a campaign manager for uh, one of the one of the clowns that got elected for uh, city council. She was also involved with the mayor. She knew the cops. She, she was really involved in the community. In the mm-hmm. oh, she was the president of the chamber of the business chamber. Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And so her reputation, her and, and uh, all that was is the biggest. Her image, public image, is, for politicians, of course, is their biggest, biggest yeah. deal, right? Yeah. So she didn't want that coming out, because mm-hmm. when I caught her, I did tell her, "You fess up, you come clean, we go to counseling and all that," and she didn't want to do that, mm-hmm. you know. So she chose the way the route that she chose to do. And they both worked together to get me arrested because mm. he didn't want his wife to find out. She mm. didn't want everybody else to find out. So I looked like this crazy nut. And the way I was acting, I, I looked exactly like they said they were. I was, you know, mm. I, I was I lost it. Bro. I went crazy. Like, what do you mean? Like, what were you doing? I was just impulsive. I was just I was trying to hurt somebody. Man. Yeah. No. I And here's the thing. Like, I get it. Right. Like, it, it, dude, there's nothing more. Being I betrayed, saw red, man. I yeah, saw red. Being betrayed like that, I mean, that's, uh, man, like that's, I could under, it, it, 
there's a reason as a lawyer there's a reason why they call they sometimes call them uh you know uh crimes of passion or you've heard the term um temporary insanity mm-hmm. it's because that's what happens right like yeah that's you that's snap mentally you snap and then next thing you know you know you're doing something that's out of character yeah they were know? applying to take off to he was telling her i'm gonna leave my wife and son he had a newborn mm-hmm. his wife and son for her but that didn't happen. Uh, this blew up in her face. He ended up going back to his wife. Mm-hmm. And she never, you know, that he, he, anyways, that didn't work out for them. Mm-hmm. She ended up taking someone else's husband. And that's who she's married to now. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, it's a whole Jerry Springer episode, brother. Uh, it's yeah. it's really, really, really crazy. Talk to me about, to come t- out of this. talk to me about, like deep down, what are you, you know, in this time frame, I mean, you're mad, you're heated, sure. And you mentioned it's a Jerry Springer story. Yeah. Dude, how does that, how does that well, make you feel? The thing is, while this was happening, nobody believed me. My old mom didn't believe me. My, I had one sister that believed me, one friend. I lost all our mutual friends. I needed letters of reference, of character reference, you know, for the judge. Like, this is not the Ralph we know. Kind of, you know, just to talk about how they know me, how, the type of character that I have. Nobody would touch me. Mm-hmm. Okay? My closest friends who I thought, I, who I poured my hearts into, nobody. She reached out to everybody and told them what a horrible husband I was, that I was abusing her the entire marriage, that I was abusing mm-hmm. the kids. Look, not once did she ever call the cops. Not once did she ever do any of that, right? But she told everybody I was just a complete POS, that this guy that I'm saying that she messed around with is just somebody I just randomly picked on. And just because I was a jealous, controlling, narcissistic, you, you name it, I was everything, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I was a deadbeat, I don't work, I don't do this, I don't do that. And uh, every picture I take with the family and I post on social media is just a photo op and all, you know? Yeah. Anyways, she destroyed my character in the eyes of everybody. Wow. And so, how did, how did uh, tell at that time frame when this is going on? You know, I mean, you've already been betrayed, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been betrayed by the person you loved, and you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with. Yeah. And then, and then you're going in there, and you're trying, you're trying to reach out to people to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and nobody's believing your side of the story. What do you? What's going through your mind at that time? Like, what, you're going I mean, what crazy, do you crazy, brother? I got anxiety. I never knew what anxiety was. I had a panic attack. I mean. I, I, I mean, have you ever had that? It, it was scary. I thought I was going to die, man. Yeah. Feels like you know, I had this panic attack and I'm in, I, I have a, okay. So I'm, I'm an ordained minister. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was a assistant pastor for a long time. I was in her, my ex-wife and I were in ministry for, for nine years together when we we're in Tracy. I was a youth pastor. I mean, you know, Christian Pentecostal church. And so, um, I'm in jail, brother. And I'm having a panic attack. I'm in the cell by myself. I did not have a cellmate at the time. And I don't know what's going on. I'm thinking I'm, I'm having a heart attack. I can't breathe. I'm in all County Orange. And all I can all I can say is, God, please don't let me die this way. Not like this, man. Let me see my kids just one more time before I die. You know? And and I can't breathe. I'm like, you know, I can't move. I can't even push the emergency button to get a guard to help me. And... Mm-hmm. I hear a voice. I really do hear a voice. Not not audible like we're talking, but just somehow I'm, I hear it. And that goes, I told you, all you ever needed was me. This is like God telling me, all you ever needed was me. Go back to your faith. You know, mm-hmm. trust me. You know? Mm-hmm. And as soon as I said, 
okay, a tap, it went away. Hmm. And that was like the beginning of me trying to work on on that, on myself with that, you know, because it, it wasn't overnight, bro. I mean, this is taking work. It's taking time. Yeah. Just having that, that I got to be able to learn how to let go of things I can't control. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't control who's going to be there for me. I can't control what the ex is doing. I can't control the situation my kids are in. I have to completely let go of control because I have control of nothing other than my attitude, my emotions, how I handle things, you know, that's, you, we all have control of that. And that's when I learned that, when I started learning about that, where I was like, yeah, there's nothing I can do. I believe yeah. what I believe. I got to put it to practice. Yeah. You know, you know, that's uh it's, it's funny. You, you bring that up. I mean, it's not funny. That's, that's, well, it is. I mean, the way I understand what you mean by you say that. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's interesting because I mean, here you are, you know, you're, you were a football coach. You were doing, you're doing the physical therapy, you know, you're, you're, uh, you, you're taking care of your kids. And then, in a, you know, a few, a few bad choices under serious, serious pressure. And now you're in, you know, in a bit, in a bad spot, uh, going back into the story. So you, um, you, you, they, what was the purpose? Like, what was the the circumstances for the restraining order? Was it? Did you actually? Did you actually have a physical altercation? No, I didn't. It, it was just verbal stuff. You know, you had made some threats. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so now, from there, you uh, they put the restraining order on the two of them, but it also included a restraining order on your kids. I mean, like you well, couldn't see your kids. She automatically got it on her and the kids. Okay. Because, and then she got so I wasn't able to contact my kids or her. This is how dumb I was, brother. Mm-hmm. It was on a Thursday. I decided to go pick the kids up at school. Monday was my hearing. If I wouldn't have gone and done that, I probably would have got half custody or mm-hmm. visitation rights, something, right? Right. But I let my emotions like I would just miss my kids so much. I have never gone that long without seeing my kids. How long had it been? Four weeks, which was Four not weeks. a long time, but because now it's turning to six. <laughs> but yeah. but like my kids were my life. They were everything to me. You know, and so I just, like I said, I was, you know, anxiety, all this, my, your mind, like I said, your mind, you can get lost in your mind so easy. Yeah. And, and, and you just, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I was losing weight. I, I, I look like a tweaker brother real Mm -hmm. fast. My body started deteriorating. Yeah. You know, so stressed out bags under my eyes. I mean, I was a wreck. Yeah. What do you think, uh, you know, so you just think it was a momentary lapse of judgment going and picking up me? the kids? Yeah. Like, well, you, cause well, you, like you said, it was just, yeah. he just, I didn't, like I said, I didn't know that there was that serious. I didn't know that I would lose them for this long. Had I known, I mean, maybe, I, you know, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. But I thought, then, you know, okay, I wasn't going to get, I didn't do anything with them. I just picked them up, took them to go eat. It's not like I, you know, did anything bad or I or took them out to lunch. Right. I just wanted right. to see them. And was this a was this an after school thing, or you took them out of school and then? No, it was out of, they were out, it was after school. I just okay. picked them up, and they were happy to see me. My my young my son Jacob was like, "Dad, why did you leave us?" So he was telling he was being told that I left them, that I abandoned them, yeah. you know. And that's when it, and I was like, "What?" I go, "No, never." Right. Where you been? How come you know you haven't been around and this and that? And yeah. how do you tell a seven year old that? And then my daughter, you know, my my daughter was six at the time. 
who's going to be 13 next week, you know, I haven't seen her since, you know, also confronted me about things, you know, and so it, it was hard, and you know, and then so I got Amber alerted. I got my kids taken away from me at gunpoint. Never saw them again. Man. You know? And uh, <clears throat> does that mean, so I know you, you got taken away. You said you, you mentioned you were charged with felony abduction. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, um, and then you served uh, some time. Was it, were you in county? Yeah, I served a prison term in county. Okay. They let me serve it in county. I didn't have to go to the actual prison, but it, on, on my paperwork it says I went to prison. Okay, and you so, were. Uh, what was you were, so, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You were you were char you were originally what were you sentenced to? Was it eighteen months? I did. Yeah, I did eighteen months. Okay. Well, it was because you do half, right? So. Right. So yeah, so I did eight. I did. Uh, well, it was three trips because I would get. I got out. The first I got out, and then I would go back in on the real fence because. Uh, so you kept her. You kept violating yeah. the restraining order. But the most time I did straight was eight months straight. That was the last time I think, uh, or no, second to last time. And when you're violating the restraining order, is it just going to try to see your kids? Uh, yeah, it was me trying to. Well, the first time she texted me when I first mm -hmm. got out, talked about your trash to me, and I responded back, and that was a violation. Oh, wow. And I got in trouble for that. And then, because apparently if someone's on restrict, they can contact you. They can say whatever they want, but you can't respond back. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And she kept outsmarting me. The, and so I, so I, I went and did eight months for that. I guess that's when I did the prison trip. And then when I, then when I went back again, this time I was so angry. I had several months to plot this. This is how I got him caught. I sent all their crap that I had screenshotted from their conversations and all that to his wife to his in-laws. So he came for money. His mm -hmm. wife is the daughter of, a, of a, a grocery chain, Mexican grocery store chain over in uh, Stanislaus County. Mm -hmm. And so I just went where you get anybody who who's, who's, thinks there's somebody, I went out to his pocket mm -hmm. and it just blew up in his face, blew up in the ex's face. And it was a very public, public thing that, you know, mm -hmm. And so when, you, I, when I pressed the red button, knowing I was never going to cross that bridge again. Mm. And I did it just, that was me just being vengeful out of spite. Just me just wanted to get him back because I had just served time in jail over some nonsense. And when I was in there, she divorced me. She got hundred percent custody. She, she got everything. Mm. So I was really angry, yeah. you know, resentful, yeah. bitter. So I got them both. Boom. And yeah. Looking up. Do you, uh, Looking back at the way, because this will happen 2017, 2018. Yeah, between 2017 and 2008, the end of 2018. Oh, mostly all 2017 and 18. That's when I was in that jail. Mm. That was not that long ago. Well, now you're you're about five years out from that, four to five years out from that. And you've obviously done some growing. You're in a better mindset. You look back on those things now. Um, do you ever, I mean, obviously I think one of the things you wouldn't have done different, you would have done differently is not going to pick up your kids for lunch on that Thursday and wait. Yeah, for that I do regret that. I, you know, yeah. they say you, you, you shouldn't have. Re regrets in life. I do because I, I just saw my son. He's 18 now. He was 12 the last time I talked to him before he came, mm -hmm. you know, and there's all those. And then when he, he told me everything he's gone through, you know, yeah. where he needed his dad and, and, you know, his mom wasn't much, his mom and his stepdad haven't been much of a help since you know they got they're not they're not all there 
you know, they're still not okay. Mm-hmm. And so he's had to suffer and grow up fast. He's, he got kicked out of the house at 16. Right after she married him, he kicked him out of the house and more than once, mm-hmm. you know. And they would get drunk and throw him out of the house. You know, it, it, it got pretty bad. It was worse than what I thought, mm-hmm. you know. So he opened up and shared with me a lot of stuff. And he doesn't live with his mom anymore. He lives with roommates now and he's on his own, you know. But um, it's just, so, it just my heart knowing that that's all, that's all they're doing right now. So tell me, tell me going back to this, tell me what, um, you know, what you think, uh, if, looking back on these things, what you would have done differently. Other than that, of course, what, what do you think you would have done differently? Uh, well, I would just want to let's get divorced. You do what you thing and I go my way and we'll figure out how to co-parent, you know, <laughs> that's yeah. what I would have done different. Yeah. You know, forget it. You, you can have her, you know, <laughs> that yeah. I can have her. whatever. Do you, was there a level of that when you were going, going in and out of jail where you were hoping that you'd be able even then to try to reconcile or was it At just. At first I did. And I did offer that, but she was hell bent that she was going to start a life with this guy. So she she turned it down, and then um, and then you know after after the second time I got I didn't I, I was like no I, I don't want this right. you know I need to heal <laughs> after I did the revenge thing and, and send all their stuff out mm-hmm. you know um, I I was like no nah, I don't want nothing to do with her anymore mm-hmm. you know I'm gonna work mm-hmm. on me I'm gonna try to get better I want to heal you know I didn't like the person I was becoming. I was yeah. getting cynical too. I was like, "Oh, I'll never get married again. I can't. You can't trust me." I, I got like that, you know. Yeah, started getting um, bad, bad mindset. Yeah, yeah. As I said, I wasn't okay for a couple of years. I had to go to. I went to therapy for a while. Yeah, you know. And, what did you? What did? What did you? Uh, when you went to therapy, is there anything that you learned about yourself? Well, uh, how do I? How do I say this? Just what I learned about about self control. I learned I know I learned how to also how to heal from other stuff, you know, my dad, my parents. Um, I was impulsive. I've always been that way, mm-hmm. you know. I react instead of you know. I had to learn how to, how to keep that under control. Yeah. Um, about letting go of, of a control, you know, about control. Yeah, I learned how to that part, you know, more in the depth. Um. That you're not responsible for how other people react. You know, I, I for a long, t- for a while too, I thought it was my fault that I turned her that way. Mm. You know, because she would tell me, "You made me this way," uh, and yeah. and so you start believing that you know that okay, I deserve that, or yeah. or um, you start feeling guilt. You know that well, maybe she cheated on me because I did this, I did that, or I didn't do this, I didn't do that. Yeah, and. So that's all part of the stuff you talk about in, in therapy. How is no, it wasn't you. you? People make their own decisions. You yeah. know. You know, it's it's funny um, when when you talk about that because yeah, the, a lot of people will look to external factors for internal problems. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, obviously your ex cheated on you, I can tell you nobody deserves that. Um, uh, and you, um, 
you know, if, if, if she doesn't blame you, then she's just a bad person. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so and that's course, what she's at right now. Yeah. So, so of course, so of course, if, if you didn't drive, if she didn't, if you didn't drive her to it, then she's just a bad egg. Mm-hmm. She can't have that. Right. No. It's part of the emotional immaturity of these things. Yeah. But, um, you know, I've noticed in my own life <clears throat> and, um, maybe you can talk to this or speak to this rather, uh, that when I go through really, really tough things that when I look back years later, I realize that those tough things shape me who I am and I'm kind of grateful for them. Yes. Yes. Do do you feel like that experience, there's anything that you learned from that experience that you are grateful you learned? Well, well, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm with this amazing woman now. You know, I remarried uh, three years ago. I have a, a, a new daughter that came from it, mm-hmm. and and I'm doing what I'm doing now. I mean, this is not, this this wouldn't have happened had I still been married to the ex-wife. You know. Yeah. And tell so, me, tell me, tell me, the, the, tell me about this. So it's been. I mean, you've been married for three years. This mm-hmm. you were done in 2018, so it's been four or five years. You yeah, I'm married in 21. Yeah. So so tell me, you you mentioned that. You went through a couple of years of therapy to, and you realized you didn't like who you were becoming. Mm-hmm. What was it that finally flipped the switch for you? My kids. Mm-hmm. So one day I'm just like, okay, if I'm not okay here, here, and their mom definitely is not either, these kids don't stand a chance. They yeah. need one parent at least to be as close to sane as possible, right? Mm-hmm. And so because of them, I, I go, I got to need to work on myself. Like, I did not hit the bar scene. I did not go sleep around, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it was offered. It was there, you know, mm-hmm. but it was like, no, I'm not going to, I can't be that guy. I'm not, that's not what I'm about. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a mm-hmm. family man. I'm a dad first and foremost. I have a daughter, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so if anything's going to come out of this, I got to show my kids one day that, you know, like that, that speech that Rocky gives his son, man, nothing's going to hit you harder than life. You know, that's, that's, that's real life right there. And so yeah. I wanted to be able to show them that through my life, what I've been going through. Look, you have, you can go through what I've gone through and still get back on your feet, keep fighting back, keep moving forward, you know. And and so and show them how, you know. When my son came here, I was able to tell him exactly what I did because I don't want him to be bitter and resentful towards his mom. I don't want him to think all women are bad or to think whatever it is that he thinks that you know. Now that he knows what happened, look. If it doesn't happen to me, son, I'm not where I'm at. I'm not the person that I am. So it, but good things did come out of it eventually. Mm-hmm. Not what I was going through. It. Sure. But time. Truth always comes out. You can't hide the truth. You, you can keep lying all you want, but the truth eventually comes out in anything, man. Yeah. You know? That's true. You know, it's it, – uh, going back to real quick, just – this just popped in my mind. Going back to when you found out. Uh, about the cheating <clears throat> did you ever have a situation like when that happened did you did things make a little bit more sense to you or did they just knock you for a loop or probably easy to you know no they knocked I, me for a loop they didn't make yeah. sense till later mm. yeah when i was in my jail cell <laughs> <laughs> yeah when you're in your well talk to me about that time when you're in jail i mean you're in jail so you have a lot of time to reflect. Yeah. Tell me what that was like for you that, that time while you're there. Well, that's when I got to really know who God is, you know, and um, 
because you, you can get caught up really easy there with the politics. You got to join a clique or, you know, you need you need to join a group or else you're going to, you know, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So I stayed to I stuck to myself, you know, for the most part. And then eventually what I did was I started a church in jail. I gave up. We had services on Sunday that I, had, I got favor with the guards. So I was giving Bible studies. I was doing sermons. I was teaching people how to read the Bible and just stayed on that path when I was, you know, there because either that or you're going to get caught up in more drama and get more time attached to your sentence, hanging around with the wrong people. Mm. So we just started a little ministry there where we were fed, feed everybody that didn't have resources. You know, I was fortunate enough that my mom took care of me the entire time I was there. Mm. And so I, I shared the blessing to, to those that didn't have any, you know, when I could. And so I tried to make my experience as positive. I know it sounds crazy, as positive as possible. You know, mm-hmm. even looking back now, I did not have a bad experience when I was there mm-hmm. because I felt like I was doing God's work, you know, and, and made my time to be, I, I, I spent my time being productive in there. Mm-hmm. I read a lot of books, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with my thoughts and, and, and you know what, Ralph, you gotta work on these things, you know, yeah. and, and um, how to be a better husband, be a better dad, be a better human being, you know, but it, of course it took, it's easy to do it in there. It's applying sure. it once you're out and you're, you know, you don't have your kids, you don't have a wife and you're just like, you know? Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, so you get out, um, you know, I've heard some stories of people who, you know, are ex ex felons or mm-hmm. you know, have felonies in the background. Tell me how, uh, getting out uh, how was that transition for you well now i'm back in my parents house my mom's house i moved out when i was 17 years old i'm mm. 40 41 at the time and i have to live with my mom you know how humbling that was yeah. <laughs> i didn't have a car i didn't have a job i didn't have anything other than the clothes i had on and first thing i did was uh get a gym membership mm. And so did that, and I'm lucky, fortunate enough, I was able to get a job right away with, through a temp agency and just started getting back on my feet right away. I decided, you know what, to keep me out of trouble, I'm going to do a bodybuilding show because I hadn't done one in a while. Hmm. And that kept me focused. You know, it kept me disciplined. I had to eat right. I couldn't be drinking. I couldn't be out partying. It, it was just something to keep me from, you know, kind of what basketball used to do for me. As a kid, keep me out of trouble. I, I used ba- um, bodybuilding for that. Mm. And so I had done two other shows before that, and I placed dead last and six. Mm. So now I'm prepping for this show. And then during that time, I ended up meeting my wife, and I ended up winning my first show mm. because I was so focused and just – Trying to just, I don't know, just, just, I, I, I was, I don't know. I, I've never been that focused in my life before as it was that time because I just wanted to prove, make, prove a point, you know, or get that, you have that chip on your shoulder, yeah. you know, everybody thinks you're a loser, you're this and that. And I'm just even, I don't know if anybody thought that, but in my head, in my mind, I thought everybody was judging me, condemning me because at the time the truth hadn't come out yet mm. completely. I was still, you know, people still were wondering if I did or not. And so, I was just trying to find a way to, t- to to show everybody the middle finger. I'm back. This is not the end of me. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> I mean, maybe my my uh, 
the uh, my reasoning behind it, my why was probably not the best one, but it was more of me just just showing the world that everybody that knew me, like, look, man, I'm back and I'm not letting this be the end of me. I got too much pride, yeah. you know, to let this be the way I go out. Well, that's, you know, that's the uh, the important thing, right, is like you, you said earlier, you know, you can't control things that happen to you. Um, mm-hmm. You can choose how to respond to it. And, you know, obviously some of the things that you had to go through were happened to you. And then some of those things were bad choices you made when you were in a bad way. Mm-hmm. But but the thing is, is that every one of those experiences is a way to learn and a way to get a little bit, you know, to shape you into something, uh, you know, something more that God wants you to be. Yeah, you know? exactly. And so so you're doing bodybuilding shows. You meet your your this new girl who will eventually be mm-hmm. your wife. Correct. Uh, and uh, are you now you're also a physical therapist? Right. That came later. That's the last couple of years. That was not the time. I was just a trainer at the time. Okay. So you're a personal trainer mm-hmm. and doing bodybuilding shows. Yeah, I'm running. So I'm, but this time now I'm running a gym in Elk Grove. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm, you know, during this time I was working at a temp and I got a job at a gym. They, somebody gave me a, um, they, they gave me an opportunity. You know, I told him my situation. He believed me, mm-hmm. you know, and he gave me another chance. So I'm really grateful. Thank you for Premier Fitness and Elk Grove, Sammy and Nabil for, for uh, you know, for the opportunity they gave me because that opened up more doors eventually, you know, yeah. forever grateful to them. Mm-hmm. And so, and then from there, now you also, you do personal training at Crunch Fitness in Folsom, is that right? Yeah, that's where I currently am right now. Okay. So I'm there on the mornings from like five in the morning to one, and then I work for the chiropractor in the afternoons. Okay. And then... Um, and then you start training. So you're you're working with a chiropractor as a physical therapist while mm-hmm. doing personal training. Now you you know you eventually get married and you got a new stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then wrestling. You pop into <laughs> new you, you you pop into to next level pro. You train him with um, with uh, Vinny Massaro, mm-hmm. who just who just had a match on AEW Dark. I mean, yeah, I was there. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it's good stuff. I was there too. So um, now, uh, when did the transition happen from Vinny to Tony Vargas? So I believe Tony started in the end of 21. Vinny was there till about September, I think. I started in July. So I'm not sure how long he was there before that. Uh-huh. I started in July and, to, and uh, towards the end of July, somewhere around the beginning, middle and then uh, I think September, end of September around is when Vinny left and he ended up at West Coast. Mm-hmm. And so shortly after that, I mean, a couple of months, maybe, I'm not sure when, I don't remember exactly when the date Vargas took over, but it had to mm-hmm. be towards the end of that same year. It was okay. a couple of months that we didn't have a, a, a head trainer. Mm. So tell me, uh, you know, I, I'm of the opinion that the trainer you have is really everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about the differences between training with Vinny Massaro versus training with Tony Vargas. Well, I mean, everybody's different. Uh, Tony is really, really patient mm-hmm. and he's no nonsense. You know, he's not scared to step on toes, hurt your feelings, but he'll work with you if you put in time. You know, dude, he spent the first month I was with him. He's he, all he did is teach me how to lock up. Right. Because I couldn't figure that out. 
lock up, lock up, and then take the. I, I was so stiff from bodybuilding, yeah, you know. Right, right. And so whatever I learned from Vinny and and, and uh, he, we started all over from from the beginning, you know, and mm-hmm. and so just two different styles, you know. No knock on Vinny. I didn't. I, I didn't get to spend enough time with him to give you a full assessment of his mm-hmm. coaching style, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also got to train with Ugly. You know, he's yeah. really old school, and, and I, I I love training with him. You know, all the chain I know is because of him. Dude, Gabe, uh, Gabe is Gabe is like next level good. Yeah, and every now and then he pops in and, and does a, a session for us. You know, he fills in. Yeah. So he's he's always somebody. I still I still call him coach because he's still in and out, and every now and then helps us out. Yeah. And so, um, but 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 Tony, he has a. Uh, I, I, you gotta get to know the guy. You just see him, I mean, you think he's a different one. He's not how he looks, man. He, he cares a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, he cares a whole lot. And he has a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge. And, you know, he comes from a background of pro football and MMA. He's been coached his whole life, you know. And he's old school like me. I'm used to having a coach in my face spitting on me, telling me how terrible I am, and to right. smack me in the butt. Good job, kid, you know. Right. Like, that's where I grew up. You know, you can't do that nowadays. So I'm, I don't get my feelings hurt when I get corrected or chewed out or – Whatever yeah. you know, it's okay. Well, just try again, dude. Try do it until I get it right. That's yeah. that's so interesting. You bring that up because I'm the same way. I coached I coached basketball for my son's team one year. Why well, I've coached both my sons in basketball, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, some of those kids would get real sensitive, and I was just like, hey, man, you don't understand. Like the, the the coaches I had, they, I mean, they would call you a worthless piece of garbage all the time. You I'm just like Bobby Knights, brother. Remember Bobby Knight throwing yeah, chairs? Exactly. <laughs> throwing things. I had a I had a coach, Coach Johnson, one time. He got he got thrown out for throwing. Not he I don't think he threw it, but he definitely pushed a chair really far. <laughs> and he 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 was really angry. And uh and yeah, so I mean that's what that's what we dealt with in this new generation. That's another thing I wanted to ask is that, like you're training with a bunch of kids. I mean, most mm-hmm. of the people who are coming in. You know, they're 18, 19, 20 years old. You know, you're a family man. You're you're a married man working full time, doing all that. Mm-hmm. Tell me how uh what you see different differences you see generationally in these wrestlers that are training. It's that what I just said. They get their feelings hurt really easy. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um having a hard time taking constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like if they didn't care, if the coach didn't care, they wouldn't they'll tell you you're great, even when you're not. You know, and so um, I think that's probably the biggest difference. But I'm also there as an encourager, as a mo- because being a coach myself, and you know, I'm a, I'm a rookie in wrestling, but I've been a coach for twenty something years. I don't know for how long now. Okay, right, right. And so it's coaching, coaching, yeah. m- motivating men and women to do stuff they don't want to do. You know, is something that that I've been doing for a while. You know, because mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm also the same way. Like I tell them, look, if you're not in shape, if this is the only place that you're working out at, it's going to be a while before you debut. You have right. to make time outside of the ring to get in shape. Sure. Get your reps in. You know, yes. if this is your dream. You got to be sold out. You got to be all in. It's got to be an obsession. Or else, you know. Right. Well, that's what's so interesting about you is, man, I, I see you everywhere. You're you're booked everywhere. I mean. You're doing CWA, ACW. You're doing Next Level Pro, uh, TWF. 
Uh, what else? You, best of, do you brother, do the best of the West? I'm doing the Golden One Center this Saturday, brother. That's true. You're at the Taco Fest, right? At the Taco Fest, brother. This the old BC man, Denver. right? You got no business there. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, man, brother, I, I, I've been, I, this, I think this 10 promotions now that I've worked for. Nice. And uh, I want to thank every promoter that's taking a chance on me. You know, uh, I think it's, you know, the work ethic obviously is, is what's paying off. Mm-hmm. But um, I've been getting recommended by my peers, my coaches, yeah. and, and um, those that I've worked with in the ring. They've all put in word for me. You know, they've been vouching for me. And and so I'm appreciative of that because I, I do take this like a job. You know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm careful in there. I try not to hurt anybody. I mean, I'm, I want, I'm here just to have a good time. You know, I'm not trying to go to WWE or anywhere else. I'm just, this is like, I don't even know how many matches I got left in me. At my age, every match is like my, could be my last match, you know? So I take pictures with my opponent, you know, and and break kayfabe. I'm terrible at that. And I've been uh, criticized for that. But I go, you know what? I don't care. Because wait, look, if you don't think taking pictures is important, wait until that's all you got left. Okay. And um, I'm savoring every moment. My coach, Tony, told me, I wish I would have do, done what you do and take pictures with because I don't have any because we yeah. weren't allowed to back then. You don't want to look like a mark. I go, I go being a mark is what got me to, into pro wrestling. Every every single guy out there is a it was a mark at one point. I still yeah. ain't, you know. So it's right. like, but I'm not ashamed or embarrassed to admit it. I'm, I'm secure in who I am, you know. Right. And so right. if I still if I wasn't, then this wouldn't be fun. Who are your uh, pro wrestling influences? Hogan. Oh, yeah. Hogan, Warrior, Rick Rude, uh, Hitman, Austin later. But as a kid, it was this guy right here. Yeah. He ripped his shirt off. That's why I ripped my shirt off when I go in the ring. Yeah. Um, he's still on my bucket list of somebody I wanted to meet one day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, w- I was at a birthday party for my cousin, older cousin. Never watched wrestling in my life. This is, I'm seven years old, I think. Hmm. And they're watching. Uh, it was Hulk Hogan's the Iron Sheik when he won the belt. Oh, yeah. So it was that card from the from Madison Square Garden. And I re, I remember that match of all the matches because of the way he was celebrating with the bell and all that. And I was asking, like, what is this? You know, where do I watch more of this at? What's this called? And then I wasn't even paying attention to the birthday party. I had nothing to do with the birthday party. I watched that whole event. I don't know if it was a VHS tape or what or where I was watching it at. And I was just stuck to the TV until it was over. And then my cousins told me, channel so-and-so on Saturday mornings. You can go to the video store and rent old uh, Coliseum videos. And, man, I would have my mom take me to the video store. And i come back with VHS, you know, of uh, old wrestling Coliseum videos. And I'd watch them over and over again. And, and then ESPN had AWA, WCCW, um, TBS station had NWA back then. And. I just couldn't get enough. Yeah, man. I I remember I was so upset. They, I I was like that too. When I was a kid, I was a big Hulkamaniac. Mm-hmm. Hogan body slamming Andre. I was at I was at the Arco Arena watching it on closed circuit TV. Oh, that's dude. so cool. And it was as if it was as if you were there live. I mean, mm-hmm. the crowd was going nuts. And uh, and so, but yeah, I remember any video, any tape I could get. I would watch yeah. religiously. I was so into it. In fact, I remember one year, I think I was maybe second or third grade. <clears throat> I was at a year round school in Modesto. And so the year round school, you would just, you would do like 
four weeks on, two weeks off instead of having a full summer. Mm-hmm. So in a summer, I had I think I had four weeks off while everyone else had eight or twelve or whatever. And it was the year that ESPN started doing Global Wrestling Federation, and it yep. was like it was like Booker, it was like the Harlem Heat, but they weren't the Harlem Heat yet. And it was Sting uh, was there too, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Who, who was there? Was it Sting? Was that where Sting was out? When he, oh, that was UWF. Sorry. Yeah, no, Sting wasn't there, but um, no, that's a different one. Mar, uh, uh, Buff Bagwell was there. As yeah, a, he as had the, the yeah, he had yeah. the like Lone Ranger. That's right. Yeah, yeah, the Handsome Stranger, and then yeah. the, pa- the Patriot was the big guy. Yeah, okay. And uh, and the one two three kid was the Lightning Kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, they uh, they had all the guys who later would become huge names in the Attitude Era before the attitude errors when they were first getting their start. And I remember I was so upset because they were doing, they had done the cruiserweight tournament and lightning kid had won and they were doing the tag team tournament and Harlem, they weren't Harlem heat, but it was Harlem heat. Mm-hmm. And they were going to do the world, the world championship. And it was going to be the Patriot probably against hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert, but I had to go back to school before because it was on during the lunch yeah. hour. So I had to go back to school and I didn't get to finish it. And I was so upset. And all my friends who weren't in, all, in full-time school, they were calling me and telling me what happened. I was so mad I missed it. And it was just so cool to see like the Patriot, Del Wilkes, and all those yeah. guys end up in the WWE mm-hmm. and in WCW and really make names for themselves. And you being like, I knew them when. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that, it's, it's true. And that's what's cool about indie wrestling is like, you know, I we go to the AEW show <clears throat> Will Hobbs, like that guy, used to work for me. You know what wow. I mean? And 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 he's winning. He's winning championships on TV. And I see uh, um, Thunder Rosa is the is on the Spanish announce team, and she she wasn't even she wasn't even working yet. She was in the crowd at one of my shows. I mean, you know, and and uh, and now Jeff Cobb. I think I think Wednesday Jeff Cobb's wrestling Kenny Omega. You know, wow. for on on AEW, and that guy came and trained with us you know, 10 years ago. And that's what's so cool about indie wrestling is if you're into wrestling, guys like you and, and other guys in our in our area are eventually one day going to be the next stars of wrestling. It's just well, so cool. It's going to be the younger guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? You never know, man. Diamond Dallas Page was, was an older guy. You oh, know? He's still 10 years younger than me. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, something like that happens happens but you know what has has happened recently because of wrestling what's that i i'm i'm next on the the week of the april 10th i'm filming in my first movie man so oh, i got yeah. cast to to be in a horror action film called ravenwood and the director's name is l buyer from um sun blade studios she happened to be in the audience and saw me and thought i was the perfect fit for the character that she needed to fill in a narcissistic Check this out. Crazy ex-husband on a restraining order looking to kill his wife. Dude. My son was happened to be here when I got the call. I had it on speaker, and he was, Dad, how ironic that, you know. Yeah, that. yeah. he's like, dude, they got you pegged. They picked the right yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah so a- they're paying me well to do it, and <laughs> it was because of wrestling, bro. I mean, I never, I came out of the play in the third grade once. I had one line. I think I screwed that up. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's all the acting I have, you know, but she yeah. saw me there beating up a uh, Paige Canton, which is uh, Justin's niece, who I trained with for 10 months in the, in the match. And when she saw me beating up a girl, which is what I'll be doing in the movie, she's like, that's it, right? There. That's the guy. That's the guy. So 
So um, let's let's talk about your son then. So you you were estranged from your son. Yeah. And and you've been pretty active on social media about your feelings about <clears throat> parent alienation. Yep. I'm an advocate uh, against it. You know. Yeah. And and what do you mean by that? The, before we go into your son, what do you mean by parent alienation? Well, Describe what the, you're it, it, when you're keeping your kids away from the other parent just out of spite, I'm against that. Right. You know, she had no good reason to do that. She had, I mean, she wanted to divorce me fine, but she, just to cover up her mess, she punishes the kids, mm-hmm. you know? And well, she thinks she's punished me. Well, she has been, but I mean, she's really doing it to her own kids. Mm-hmm. You know, she admitted to my son what happened. That's how we came in touch. Mm-hmm. She finally admitted it to him, mm-hmm. you know? And so that was to him was like, tch. you know, we had a heart to heart talk when he was here and, you know, he opened up about all kinds of stuff because he's, he was upset about that. Like, how could she do that? Yeah. You know, and how could she keep doing this to my other siblings? So my son goes back, tells the, my, my mother kids what a great time he had. He showed them videos, pictures, tell them everything that I'm doing. He's wrestling. All my kids grew up in wrestling. Okay. I took him to WrestleMania when it was at Santa Clara. You oh know, yeah, I was they, there. I took my they, oldest they son. backyard shows, um, and so wrestling is huge. My 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 youngest son still wants to be a pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, soon after that, I get a call from the police department where she lives, where she's saying that I broke the restraining order that I've been contacting her, and which is not true, because mm-hmm. the restraining order on my other kids expires in May. So she's trying to extend it. She's upset about whatever my son told told the kids and how great it is because it totally contradicted everything she's been saying. Mm. And he said, that's nothing like mom said that he is, you know. And he even told me himself, dad, none of the stuff mom said about you is true. Mm. Well, no kidding, son. <laughs> yeah, wow. So, so he's been like, the whole time, I can't believe you went through all this. And, you know. Yeah. So do you have any thoughts on, because, look, I'm sure – in the circumstance, um, like for example, I mean, look, I know that uh, you've been hurt clearly by mm-hmm. your ex, and uh, you know the day is going to come when the other kids are going to come in, and and it, you're going to probably have to fight the urge to just to completely denigrate their mom. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What, what what would you say to a parent? Um, about that like do you have any advice on how to stop yourself because dude look i mean here's the thing right hurt people they want to talk about how they've been hurt yeah you know what i mean it's just it's something that they you know especially in a situation like yours like i can understand believe me i can understand your situation when you know you're you're saying hey this is what's going on and nobody's believing you you know until until they see it themselves and then they're like wow brother i was right Always an analogy when I try to describe what I was going through at the time. Imagine your kids, okay, Josh. Your how many kids you have? I got four. Okay, they're drowning in a pool, mm-hmm. and you can't jump in because people are grabbing you, not allowing you to jump in, and nobody else is doing anything about it but watching them drown. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt, mm-hmm. you know, because I was asking for help. Somebody help me then, and nobody would do anything mm-hmm. because they didn't believe me, sure. you know. And so wow. now, look, my kids are damaged. Yeah. And they, a lot of stuff could have been prevented. Yeah. You know? And so I don't know what kind of advice I can give them other than you really you really got to look in deep, man. If yeah. you're doing this to your kids, these are your own kids. And it's going to come back to you. 
Yeah. They don't think long term. They're just thinking short term. You know, uh, I'll lie again, I'll lie again, I'll lie. But eventually your lies catch up to you. Yeah. You know? And so how can you say you love your kids unconditionally when you're on purpose hurting them? Yeah. You That's know? so. Man. And uh, um, so your your son, your son, uh, he contacts you. How does he get in contact with you? Through Instagram. So okay. I contacted him first. So as soon as he turned 18, the restraining mm -hmm. order on him expired. Mm. So I can't, I put it on my on my story. I wished him happy birthday. I tagged him, mm -hmm. and I sent him a little message on uh, on his Instagram. Mm -hmm. Fifteen minutes later, I get a call. This is August first last year. I get a mm -hmm. call from the police department that I'm breaking their restraining order, mm -hmm. and they wanted me to turn myself in to the local police department. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how did I do that? The restraining order expired today, as of now. He's 18 now. Mm -hmm. And so the cop's trying to tell me otherwise. And he's like, well, show me proof that that's true. So I send him a copy of the paperwork. Mm -hmm. And so even then he was like, no, this is not accurate, whatever. And I'm like, first of all, did my, was it my son that reported, reported me to you? And he goes, no, it wasn't him. It was his mom. Mm. You know? And I go, how is it possible that she can report that for him when he's of, of age? You know, if he's the victim, shouldn't he be reporting it if he felt that whatever? Even, you know, he goes, well, it's like, uh, see it this way. Let's see uh, your neighbors are your neighbors beating up his wife. And you see it happen, you call the cops. I'm like, how are you going to compare me wishing I brought my son to that? Mm -hmm. You know? And so anyways... There was no file, charges filed because I didn't break the law. Hmm. And so my son was under the impression thinking that he couldn't contact me still or he couldn't talk mm -hmm. to me still. Mm -hmm. So I kept messaging him. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, kept telling him, give me a chance to talk. Let's talk. Well, eventually his mom confessed to him. But she confessed to him with a, a but. This is why I did it. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. she had told him that I was sleeping around when, it was, when I was coaching football with his teammates' moms, a handful mm. of them, mm. you know, which is not true. But that was her But Yeah, I did that to your dad because this is why, mm. right? So he got upset. Not that what his mom did to me. That's not what triggered him to call me was that I slept with his friend's moms. <laughs> mm. And so he confronted me about it, and he let me have it, brother. Everything that was polyed up, and he just, you know, he let it all out, and he just called me every name you can think of. And I was like, okay, so let it out, let it out, let it out. He let it all out, and um, and after he was done, I go, okay, can I talk now? And then he let me tell my side of the story. And once he heard me, and I was calm and all that, he was stuff clicked in his head. Hmm. And we're on the phone for about six hours. He called me like at twelve thirty at night. I had just gotten back from a wrestling show, hmm. and we were on the phone till about six in the morning. Wow! And we've been talking ever since. And um, little by little, you know, and during those couple of weeks, we got more trust and all that. We we're FaceTiming with my wife and my daughter and I and him. And then I was like, are you ready to visit me, son? He goes, I'll fly you over. You and your, he has a roommate, you and your, you and your roommate over, you know. I want him to feel comfortable. You know, if he didn't feel comfortable coming sure. by himself, bring the roommate. You know, that gives me another witness anyway to, to go back <laughs> and say that, you know, that right. we're, we're right. good. So I flew him and his best friend over. They stayed here for 10 days. I 
picked them up like Simba, Lion King, everybody, showed them <laughs> off, you know, and uh, showed them a good time, you know, and just loved on them. And the more time we got to spend, the more he opened up about what it was, what it's been like without me the last six years. And man, he, he's been through some stuff, man. Yeah. And so I'm really, really disappointed in his mom that he had to go through all that when it wasn't necessary because she just wouldn't, she, she wouldn't let him know what happened, you know? Yeah, man. So your, your relationship seems to be in repair with him. Yeah, we're uh, good. We talk every day just about. Yeah. And do you think that, uh, you know, your your other kids, how old are they? Uh, 16, 13-year-old boys. They'll have birthdays this summer. My daughter's going to turn thir- uh, 12 next next week, the day after me. Mm-hmm. So do you um, uh, you anticipate that you said this this restraining order expires in August? May. 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 Middle of and May. And then once it expires, are you going to try to contact them? Or? Of course. Yeah. But I got to figure out how to do it right. My son's going to help me. He's going to try to help me with this mm-hmm. um, because she has one on me where I can't contact her for like 10 years or something. Mm. So uh, I got to do it without, I don't know how we're going to do this. Might have to go back to court, but um, my son is being that bridge for me. Mm-hmm. Does and he, so, does he make it sound like they're receptive? Oh no, the mom's not receptive at all. Cause she doesn't want the other ones to find out what really happened. She fessed up to one. She doesn't want to fess up to the other three. No, I mean, did, did your, did your son suggest that the that the other siblings uh, are receptive to? Well, the the, the one after him was a is still a little standoffish. He was mm-hmm. he told me he's the one that was the most hurt about it with me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 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 uh still processing stuff. Um, but he told me that he'll come around. That he'll come around. Mm-hmm. I hope he does. I hope it yeah, does. he will. I mean. It's just everybody processing things different. The other two were too young to even remember a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, so, yeah. the, you know, I think I think it would be easier with the younger ones. But he, mm-hmm. either way, though, he told me that they all need you. We need you because mm-hmm. we don't have somebody at home to be dad. The, the stepdad guy, he's, he hasn't stepped up. You know, he's everything mom says that you are. So mm-hmm. it's not working out over there with him, you know. Yeah. So, um We'll see. Well, um, so now what's next for uh, for Rafael Palma or Don Swoleon? What's, what's, what's <laughs> well, I can say right now, uh, the movie. Well, first of all, the, the Golden One Center this weekend. I'm really excited about that. I mean, I'll be the largest crowd that ever I've been in front of as of yet. As of last count, it was over 5,000 tickets sold. Mm-hmm. I think AEW drew 7,000 plus. Yeah. So – for indie show, I mean, five thousand people. Even though it's a market, that's a lot of fans, you know. Yeah. Even if they're not, you know, it's it's a lot. <laughs> so and it's it's the, it's the golden one, you know. Yeah. So um, for me at forty six, you know, it's like it doesn't get bigger than that. So uh, I'm I'm just excited about the doors that have opened for me. You know, you do things right, you treat people right, you know, you put in the work. I mean, doors open up eventually, right? Um, mm-hmm. At least I, I believe that. And then after that, it's film, the next couple of weeks filming the movie and uh, wrestle every Saturday, I hope, for now on until the end of the year. You know, it seems like every Saturday I have somewhere to be at. I got Mike Rain the first week of May. Well, I'm really excited about that one, too, over at with CWA and, uh, and um, Atwater. 
you know. No, that'll be a good. I got to learn a lot from the general there, so I'm excited yeah. about that one. I've I've watched Mike Rain <clears throat> since he probably since his first or second year as a worker, and it's just amazing like what he's done for for quote unquote NorCal wrestling. I mean, mm -hmm. indie wrestling in the area, Northern California, Central California. He really is just a legitimately nice guy. Yeah, I mean, I got to meet him at the uh, in, in in Merced when the uh, ACW Best of the West, Mike yeah. Rain's promotion, and CWA got together and did that big super show for Merced. They invited me over there and um, they had me win the Battle Royal to to go against uh, Mike and in, in, uh, in May for the for their title. So we're the main event, which is you yeah. know. Dude, I'm like, I'm in the main event, bro. Like, who in the heck am I? So I, I'm, yeah. I'm just like, I'm in awe, bro. Like, I've already super exceeded my expectations with wrestling. The reason I got into it was because, because of my kids. You know, my oldest son wanted to be a wrestler, and I thought this would be a way for me to reconnect with him. Yeah. And and, it, and, it, and it's done that and more. Like my my stepdaughter's into it. My wife. It's a family thing. My younger brother, who I'm 12 years older than, is now one of our students. And my oh, nephew, awesome. who's nine, is there every Sunday with him, taking his roles, taking his bumps, learning lockups. And he's, 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 uh, we call him the young rock because he's living mm. that, that young rock life. You know, you ever watch that show with these little kids, yeah. around, all these wrestlers. And now my nephew knows him by name and he thinks he's one of the boys. And, you know, and, and, and he's, he's like, I'm just living vicariously through him, watching him with those big old eyes. That how I would have, you know, I would have loved to have the opportunity when I was a kid to be around in, in the ring and around all this yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah, he's, he's living my dream. And so yeah. my mom finally got to see me a couple of weeks ago in person, you know, so it's, it brought my family closer together. That's you know? awesome. So I've already super exceeded any expectation <clears throat> I have with it, man. And got to meet people like you, you know, got to train with Jeter. Got It's brother. Who am I? I'm just a kid from Southside Tracy, bro. I got no business in this business. Especially well, I, my age and here I am. And I'm well, loving but, every second of it. But the thing is though, is, you know, if you put in the time, anybody belongs and you've shown that, you know what I mean? Like you, you, first of all, not only are you, do you belong, but I mean, you're becoming, I mean, look at you, you're, you're coming up on your one year anniversary and you're already main eventing best of the West. I mean, you know what I mean? Those are, those are big deals. Like you've, you've, you're doing big things and that's awesome, you know? And, uh, and your backstory is, is interesting and it's fascinating because <clears throat> who would think that, you know, within six years of the, I, I would, I'm guessing that's the worst circumstance of your life, that you could be in such a better place and reconnecting with your kids. And is thing, are things perfect? No, but hearing you, you got so much going on and you're living such a wonderful, you know, you're living your dream with wrestling and, yeah. and all of those things. Tell me, you know, <clears throat> what would you say out of all those things? What would you say was your biggest success in life? What's been my biggest success in life? Yeah. Oh man, it, it, uh, meeting my wife, having the family I have now, being able to to rebuild mm. my 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 home. Mm. You know, because uh, I I took a lot of pride in in that being a a husband, a father, having all my kids with the same woman back you know back then, you know, because of the kind of home I came from, a blended family, divorce, you know, all that stuff. So. So I never wanted that to be a part of, you know, my family, but it ended up happening. So 
having to rebuild from scratch. Not my wife. My wife had to rebuild from scratch too. Both of us were living with our parents. Hmm. She had, she she was married twelve years and went through an ugly divorce herself. You know, and was uh, so. Be able, so she had to start over herself. So we both together, but we have little that we have. It we got to build together, and I'm very proud of that because we've both have come a long ways. And um, like my son came, you know, he's like, Dad, I feel like I'm home. Like well, son, that's because you are, you yeah. know. But for him to say that, that just was like, okay, I'm doing something right, you know. Yeah. And so. It's, so, uh, he, you know, he made me cry when he said that because, he, you know, I told him, this is your home. You're welcome here anytime. You don't ever have to ask to come over. This is, here's a key, whatever. You come and go as you please, son. Yeah. You know? And he's moving back. He's moving down here with me in uh, this summer. So I'm excited That's to have awesome. him back. That's awesome. That's great, man. So we've talked, I think we've talked quite a bit about, you know, uh, the next question I usually ask people is what's, uh, what's been your biggest failure and what have you learned from it? And we've talked a lot about it. I, I got to imagine that, you would say that that circumstance of going to jail and doing those things would be well, your- yeah, doing what caused me to lose my kids for so long that that I, I like I said, that's something I got to live with for the rest of my life. And uh, like I told my son, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life trying to make it up to you and your kids when you have them, and and, and um, do my best to to be there for you and, and not allow anything like that to happen again. You know, um, it is a failure, but it's also I've also learned a lot from it. You know, because now yeah. for me, time. It's my most valuable resource. I don't like to waste time, brother. I get up early. I go to sleep late. I try to get as much stuff done as I can in the 24 hours that I get, you know, productive stuff, you know, uh, make time for my, my my daughter, make time for my wife, make time, even with my busy schedule, still make time for those that are important to me, right. you know? So you learn to appreciate. Once you had everything taken from you, you learn to appreciate what you have and, and what's, you know, you cut out distractions, you cut out certain people or th- that you thought was important that really in the end uh, it's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is? Like, what would you say is most important in life? For me, my wife, my kids, yeah. I mean, my family, my, my immediate family, you know, the one that I made, the, you know, my wife and my five kids. Yeah. You no, know, that's that that's my treasures. That's those are the my, that's what matters to me the most. To take care of them, to provide for them, to be there for them, you know. Mm-hmm. So what do you say, you know, at some point in your life you're going to pass away. We all do, right? Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a funeral and someone's going to give you a eulogy. What would you hope would be one thing that someone would tell you uh or would say about you rather in the eulogy. <laughs> Quite honestly, brother, that if my wife speaks, that I was a good husband. If my kids speak, that I was a good dad. That's it. Yeah. That's all that matters to me, brother. And if my friends speak, that I was a good friend. You know, yeah. that's, that's it. I think nothing else matters than that, brother, that people appreciated you, they loved you, you know, that you're known for. For that you know that i was a good husband i was a you know yeah oh man you're making me cry bro <laughs> it's okay man it's, it's matter, okay man. it's it's important you know it's it's funny it's funny when the uh you know i, I like i said i haven't been super public about things going on in my life all the time it's, these these podcasts aren't about me but i've had some i've had some really rough goes 
And, uh, but it's really, uh, you know, especially in the last few years, but <clears throat> it's been really interesting how the worst circumstances in your life really remind you what's most important. Yeah. Like, like I've had, I've had, a, it's been, it's been, it's been terrible. Like there, I've had in the last probably four or five years, the worst and best years of my life at the same time. It's crazy. <laughs> like I've had, I've had situations where the worst things that I could have ever imagined, the biggest nightmares of my life have happened and the greatest dreams have been fulfilled in the exact same time. And it's crazy how that can happen. And yeah. the reason that that happens is because just because things are bad doesn't mean you quit. Exactly. You just keep going. Mm -hmm. Life goes on. And, and I want to, and I love it when people come on and they say <clears throat> their biggest success is their family or, you know, they talk about their kids because that for me, when I, when I was having to reevaluate and go, okay, so what am I going to spend my time? Like things have happened to me. I have no control over them. What's next? What do I do? My kids, yeah. you know what I mean? And that's, that's where it is. I got to make sure they're okay. And yeah. spend as much time as I can with them, for them, making sure that they are safe to, yeah. to, uh, you know, to repair the damage, you know, that, and, and that sounds like what you're doing. And I just, I got to say, I got to praise you because yeah, you know, when you hear these, these stories, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you run into this where people hear your story and they don't know your story, but they hear a restraining order yeah. It's very easy for your ex, I'm sure, to be able to be like, yeah, I got a restraining arm on my ex-husband and mm -hmm. he can't see the kids and he had, I hasn't seen the kids in five or six years. And it's very easy for someone to judge you for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but, but it's really great to see that despite all of that mess that happened, you're here and you're thriving in important areas and you're being there for your stepdaughter, your daughter, really. Yes, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and being there for... Uh, your son when he was ready, you know, I, I, I gotta, I gotta say, you know, like it, it's also am amazing to me that you, you had a situation where you're sitting there and your son is railing on you. I'm guessing some of it might've been true and some of it wasn't mm. most of it probably wasn't. And you sat there and let him do it. And instead of getting angry and saying you're wrong and all that stuff, you just loved him. And that's, that says a lot about you. Well, you know the story of the prodigal son, right? I mean, you just, I was just dad just waiting for him to come home. Yeah. And I threw him a party. I threw him two parties when he came. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're home, son. That's what happened in the past. We're going to deal with it. We're going to do it healthy. You know, I'm going to work with you, help with you to, if your mom needs to get help, we can help her. I mean, I was like, I'm like offering myself to make things right and do whatever I can in my power to, to help that. Right. I'm not trying to bury her. I'm not trying to, you know, have you not talked to her or hate her or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. you know, whatever I can, whatever resources I can to help I, they're there. My resources are yours, son. Yeah. You know, so you let me know what you need from me. That's what I told him. What do you need from me? You know? And then when he was here, he's be my dad. Correct yeah. me when I'm effing up. You can tell me whatever you want. I'm not going to take it. You know, he, he gave me my job back for, you know, yeah. dad here, beat dad, you know? Yeah. And so I grabbed a hold of that and I'm on his butt.
you know, as much as I can. (laughs) Good, good. Well, if he's 18, he needs it, you know? Yeah. I remember remember what I was like when I was 18 and I needed, I needed someone to straighten me out for sure. I think we always do. I'm 46, brother. I still need it. You know, we're never too grown, man, to to hear it from our parents. I don't think. That's another thing that I think is really, is really cool about your story is that you're 40, you're almost 46 years old. You're still learning new things and you're still developing, you know, there's, there's no, there's no real time is just a construct. You know, I mean, we're always learning if you're trying. Yeah, it's it's you're never too old to change. You're never too old to become the person that God wants you to be. Yeah. And it's never too late to turn the corner and be the person that you're supposed to be. No, you're not. As long as you can breathe, man. As long as you got air, lungs. I mean, your lungs are working, your heart's beating, <laughs> you know, your conscience. I mean, it's never too late, man. Um, I learned right away, I mean, that depression is a part of life, you yeah. know. No matter how good things are going, it's, it's something we all deal with. I don't know why people always try to escape it with medication and all these other things. I go, you just got to face life head on. Cause yeah. I didn't I didn't do the meds. They wanted me on meds. They wanted me on all this stuff. Like, no, I'm going to go to with, I'm going to go toe-to-toe. You know, yeah. and, and, and just take the punches, mm. take the punches, you know, and mm. get back up. And and so people don't understand that. That's we that's the that's the the the, the journey of life is you're going to go through the good times, the bad times, the whole every people are going to die. People are going to hurt you. People are going to stab stab you in the back. Um, things are not always going to go as you perceive them or think are going to happen. People will let you down. Your parents will let you down. Your spouse will let you down. Your kids are definitely going to let you down, disappoint you here and there. You know, it happens. That yeah. doesn't mean you quit, you give up, you you go to alcohol, you go to drugs, you go to whatever. You know, you got to understand that. And a lot of people nowadays, at least in my opinion, from what I see, they they don't want to deal with that. They want to escape into other yeah. things and, and um, not face it. You know yeah. what I mean? Head on. That's the thing. That's the thing that I think is really important about about life, and what's important is that like there's always going to be there's always going to be a tragedy. There's always going to be something that you know. There's always going to be some sort of darkness. But if you mm-hmm. just if you're willing to face it, you're going to see that there's more to you than there is that darkness. Yeah. You know and. And uh, there's a there's a there's a scripture out there that says God will never tempt you above that which you can bear, mm-hmm. and it's not just means that He's not going to you know tempt you you know you're not going to be able to be tempted with sin, but it also means that He's not He's not going to give you more than you, you can, can handle. handle. Yeah, and and if you can handle it, you know it's just like going to the gym. You know, mm-hmm. you get stronger under resistance. Yeah. And it's not easy to say that when you're in the middle of the rep. You no, know what I mean? Just pain comes with it. Yeah. But but once you once you get past it and you look back, you're gonna see that, man, like I needed exactly that. Mm-hmm. And proud of you, man. I'm proud of I'm proud of seeing where you've been. It just I've I met you right before you debuted or right mm-hmm. after you debuted. It's been a year and you're you are a fast growing star in wrestling. <laughs> It's it's been fun to watch your. That sounds funny to hear. It's but it's true, you know. You are, and you give me hope at forty, almost forty two. 
that uh, you know us old guys have a space have a space there. Yeah, well, just and, take care uh, of your body first and foremost. If you can do that, I mean, you know, we can we can be all, we can do all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, well, listen, Ralph, man, it's been awesome to have you on. I really appreciate it. This is the part where I tell everybody subscribe, subscribe to the podcast. Um, yeah, click on the click on the link and be a part of it. And uh, you know, we'll uh, I, I'll be out of town. I'll actually be down in LA for for WrestleMania. But I oh, will definitely enjoy the time. Are you shit, are you in ACW the next weekend? Are you going to be there? No, I'm actually going to start filming the movie, so I won't. Oh, I'm, I'm actually I'm going to take a few weeks off from wrestling to to finish this to to do the movie. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, then I'm sure we'll see each other. Uh, you know, at a booking or, or down the road. Yeah, I'm sure we will, man. For sure. So it's been great to have you on the Edlow podcast and, you know, everybody who's listening, keep, uh, keep listening. We got some, we got, the, we got more exciting ones coming up. Um, I got relationship coaches coming on. I've got, there you go. I've got a guy, I've got a guy who, uh, he's a, a, a filmmaker who created a, a, uh, a PBS documentary on trauma, including talking to nine 11 survivors. I mean, it's, oh, wow. it's been, it's, so I got a lot of cool stuff coming up and so subscribe and, and keep watching. And like I said, man, it's, it's great to have you on. No, thank you for having me. I had a great time. Time flew by, man. I appreciate yeah. you taking the time to talk to me and uh, guys subscribe. All right. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> thank you. Thank All you. Right. Everybody. Appreciate right. you guys, man. All right. We'll see.